Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. Hey everyone, it's Sherry Stahl, host of the Soul H2O Radio and Podcast Show, the one that will inspire you to get into the Bible and help you understand it. It's my goal to be relatable and authentically leave you refreshed as you listen to the Soul H2O Devotion. I'm so excited you've tuned in for today's episode number 157, Getting Back to Business, A Lesson in Second Chances, part four of four in the Rebuilding series. This week, my intention is to inspire you to believe God can bring about great things in you and through you. Downloadable Soul H2O journal pages help you dive deep into the teaching segment and quench your spiritual thirst. You can even use them for your personal devotions and find them on today's show notes at soulh2o.com slash 157. After the first music pick song, we'll dive into today's Soul H2O devotion. But for now, let's listen to Up by Torn Wells featuring Erica Campbell. In episode 156, part three of the Rebuilding series, I talked about the inspiration Israeli people found from the prophetic words spoken through Haggai. God also used a younger prophet, a guy named Zechariah, to proclaim some pretty incredible things to the people, letting them know that God would be with them if they got back to the rebuilding of the temple. God confirmed through Zechariah that God had called Zerubbabel to finish the rebuilding of the temple. In Zechariah 4, 6, we hear the message God spoke to the people back then and what I believe he continues to say throughout generations, even ours. God said through Zechariah, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, But by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty, this is just what Zerubbabel needed to hear, that he didn't need to muster up enough strength. It wasn't going to be through his might or power, but by God's spirit. If he and the people would be faithful to get back to the work, the Holy Spirit would empower them and God would be faithful to bring the work to completion. Ezra 5.2 tells us that Zerubbabel and Joshua set to work to rebuild the house of God in Jerusalem, and the prophets of God, that's Haggai and Zechariah, were with them, supporting them. The very next verse tells us that opposition came as soon as the people started doing what God called them to do. How often do we experience opposition the minute we move closer to God and His purposes for our lives? As you hear the stories in today's episode, I hope it emboldens you to not let opposition and difficulty stop you from following God's plan for your life. Ezra 5 verses 3 to 4 says, At that time, the time that they started back to the rebuilding, Tatanay, governor of Trans-Euphrates, and Shethar Bosanai and their associates went to them and asked, who authorized you to rebuild this temple and to finish it? They were threatening and intimidating, trying to question the authority the people were working under. 
I love the response from the Israelites to this question. We are the servants of the God of heaven and earth, and we are rebuilding the temple. They went on to explain that they were working under the authority of King Cyrus's decree. They knew who they were and whose authority they were working under. Too many Christians don't know who they are and the authority that has been given to them. If you don't know those two fundamental truths, you need to familiarize yourself with scriptures that teach on them because the enemy will always use people to make you question if you have any right to do what God's calling you to do. You can't let people question your calling. Matthew 28, 18 says, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus said, I have given you authority. And if he has it all, he's giving it all to us. Romans 8, 11 also says, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, girls, if the Spirit of God is living in you like it did in Jesus that rose him from the dead, what can he do through you? You have been given authority through Christ to accomplish all that he's called you to do. So when people question you, make sure you know whose authority you're working under. God honored the steps of the Israelites in their faith. Ezra 6, 6-9 tells us how the governor tells the enemies to stay away from them and to not interfere with the work on the temple of God. He said, let them rebuild this house of God and went so far as to decree that the expenses were to be fully paid out of the royal treasury. Whatever is needed had to be given to them daily without fail. Wow, the enemy paying for God's purposes. When Todd and I bought new electronic door locks, we couldn't get the code to work and tried everything in the troubleshooting section of the instructions. There was only one option left, and that was to press the reset button. I held that button down and heard the mechanism reset. It was like music to my ears. I was then able to start over and set the code properly. God allowed the Israelites to hit the reset button in life. At the end of their 70-year Babylonian captivity, God called them to rebuild the temple that had been destroyed. God had Cyrus, the king of Persia, decree them to rebuild the temple. The king even committed the government of Persia to be paying for it. Reset button hit. With excitement, the people laid down the foundation. They got sidetracked by their own stuff and set aside the temple building project to build their own homes. Sixteen long years passed and God reminded them of his call to rebuild the temple through the prophets Haggai and Zechariah. The people then repented and began to rebuild the temple with their own money. Reset button hit again. The local governor saw how they were rebuilding and stopped them. The governor sent a letter telling the new King Darius about their work in the hopes of having them blocked from ever rebuilding the temple again. Instead, King Darius sent a letter reinstating King Cyrus's decree. God hit that reset button again and gave them a second, second, second chance to do what he had called them to do. 
This time, they would complete it. At the end of the first year that I married Todd, I went back to my former Bible college for a reunion. It was great to reconnect with people I hadn't seen for decades. Previously, leadership had moved the school off the campus where I had attended, and this was the first year they were back in the old facilities. A former classmate, Kevin Johnson, spoke, talking about how he felt God had hit the reset button for the college. He explained how he felt the Lord saying that he was also hitting the reset button on the lives of some of the people attending the event. I got goosebumps as I heard him speak because I knew the Lord was speaking to me. God hit the reset button in my life. This time, I would complete my task. In 11 years since that service, God had seemed to hit the fast-forward button on my life. I've written books, become an award-winning blogger, radio host, and traveled internationally speaking and running women's events. Soon, I'll be starting work at one of Canada's largest Christian ministry centers. I couldn't make this happen if I wanted to, and it's not because I'm amazing. It's just because I said yes. When the Israelites allowed God to hit the reset button for their mission, they finished things in record time. It took them two years in their own strength to build the temple foundation, and it took only four years for them to rebuild the whole rest of the building. God of the reset button is also God of the fast forward button. They say And the winner for Crowd Pleaser App of the Year goes to the My Joy Radio app with an overwhelming amount of five stars and reviews. User Priscilla wrote, This channel has turned my fears to hope. Wait, there's more. Ozion said, I love this app, the best app ever. Now, have you downloaded the My Joy Radio app? It's free. Search in Apple and Google stores and take Joy Radio with you wherever you are. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world. The Israelites had rebuilt the temple, but so much of Jerusalem was still in ruins. It was around this time that Ezra, the guy who wrote the book of Ezra, leads the returning of 1,500 Jews back to Jerusalem in about 458 BC. Ezra 7.1 records that in the seventh year of Artaxerxes, for political reasons, Artaxerxes commissioned Ezra to raise support from Babylonian Jews to fund the temple work, miraculously and prophetically declared for hundreds of years, Artaxerxes also committed royal funds to support the temple work. At every step of the rebuilding of Jerusalem, God provided for the Jews to restore what was taken from them. About three years later, a man named Nehemiah's life became a major part of the rebuilding of Jerusalem. Nehemiah was the Persian king Artaxerxes' cupbearer, working in the citadel of Susa, Persia's capital, where the royal palace was. This was a super important position and was considered to be one of the most trusted people in the land when fulfilling this role. A king wouldn't just leave it to anyone to be his wine tester in an era where kings were prime targets for poisoning in order to take over their throne. 
So Nehemiah is a pretty big player in the Persian Empire. But one day, his life is turned upside down when his brother, Hanane, visits. Nehemiah hears how the people are left at risk because the walls around Jerusalem have been destroyed. We're told that the news of Jerusalem's walls being broken down broke Nehemiah's heart. He said that for some days he sat down, wept, fasted, and prayed before the God of heaven. Nehemiah sat in silence for some days before he made a move. I'm wondering if the words spoken by the prophet Isaiah were rolling around in his head. These words spoken hundreds of years before the land was even destroyed, prophesying about a future time when it would be all restored. Isaiah 58:12 says, "Some of you will rebuild the deserted ruins of your cities, and then you will be known as a rebuilder of walls and a restorer of homes." I'm thinking Isaiah's message from God called to Nehemiah, and he was praying about how to answer the call. Nehemiah prayed again, but just like us, Nehemiah had bills to pay and a job to fulfill. So, he went to work. Nehemiah too tells the monumental discussion that took place. Nehemiah said, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I hadn't been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you're not sick? This can be nothing but the sadness of heart. Boy, was he right. Nehemiah said, I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? The king asked me what I wanted. Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. I said, if it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so I can rebuild it. To Nehemiah's surprise, the king doesn't say no and asks him for a detailed plan of how he could do it. I mean, it's not every day a guy in a cushy job takes on the role of a construction foreman. The next thing you know, Nehemiah is sent to Jerusalem by Artaxerxes and leads a third wave of returns to Israel in about 455 B.C., returning with more funding from the Persian government to rebuild Jerusalem. It all sounds great and exciting that Nehemiah is going to lead the people to rebuild the broken walls around Jerusalem, but immediately the opposition starts to rear its ugly head. Nehemiah 2.10 says that when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official heard about this, they were deeply disturbed that someone had come to seek the well-being of the Israelites. By Nehemiah chapter 3, Jews from all around joined with Nehemiah and began rebuilding the walls and towers for watchmen to protect the city. There were priests, farmers, businessmen, and even women involved in the rebuilding. Not your typical construction crew, but used powerfully as people answering God's call to rebuild. In Nehemiah 4, the opposition to the rebuilding gets lethal. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that they were rebuilding the wall. 
It says that he flew into a rage and mocked the Jews, saying in front of his friends and the Sumerian army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think that they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall could collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. They're mocking and minimizing the work of the people, exaggerating and misconstruing what the Israelites were doing. So what does Nehemiah do? He prays and they keep on doing what God called them to do. The people worked with enthusiasm and the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city when the opposition turned up the heat. Nehemiah got wind of a plot to attack the rebuilders. Did this make him stop? No, he got the people together. They prayed together and God gave Nehemiah a brilliant counteractive plan. Nehemiah placed armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. He stationed people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. He called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord, who is great and glorious, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. From then on, only half of the men worked, while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judah who were building the wall. The laborers carried on the work with one hand supporting their load and one hand holding a weapon. All the builders had a sword belted to their side and the trumpeter stayed with Nehemiah to sound the alarm when they saw attackers approaching. He told the people, when you hear the blast of the trumpet, rush to wherever it is sounding. Then our God will fight for us. We worked early and late from sunrise to sunset and half the men were always on guard. Nehemiah said, I was told, everyone living outside the walls to stay in Jerusalem. That way, they and their servants could help with the guard duty at night and work during the day. During this time, none of us, not I, nor my relatives, nor my servants, nor the guards who were with me, ever took off our clothes. We carried our weapons with us at all times, even when we went for water. In the middle of this building project, a very difficult project at that, Nehemiah hears about the injustices happening to the poor exiles. Stuck in poverty, many had been trapped into slavery. Daughters bought into human trafficking. The people explained their powerlessness to Nehemiah, and he swiftly moved into action. Nehemiah condemns the wealthy Jewish people for not helping their brothers and sisters in time of need. He helps the poor get their property back and financial aid. I believe this act of kindness and justice led to the empowerment of the Jews to overcome opposition and rebuild the walls in record time. Nehemiah 6.15 tells how the walls around Jerusalem were rebuilt in 52 days. Only 52 days. I don't know what construction companies in your area are like, but... I know there is not one company in our area that could rebuild walls around a city in 52 days. 
It wasn't a small wall either. The men and women of Israel rebuilt eight gates, 34 watchtowers, two and a half miles of walls, about 40 feet high and 8.2 feet wide. Completing the walls in 52 days was nothing but a miracle. Don't believe me? Let me give you a little proof to back up that claim. In the 1500s, during the Ottoman Empire that took over Jerusalem, they too decided to rebuild walls that had been broken down again. With more technology and more people, it took them four years to rebuild the walls the Israelites built in 52 days. Nehemiah and the people worked with God and rebuilt the walls in miraculous timing. There's no limit to what God can and will do when you say yes to his call and don't let opposition stop you from fulfilling what God's called you to do. Today, I challenge you to stop allowing the enemy to push you around and stop you from moving forward. Stand up, pray, and ask God for a plan to help you fulfill His purpose for your life, even in the middle of impossible circumstances. Because clearly, we serve the God of second, third, and even fourth chances, the one who takes the impossible and makes things possible. From all of us here at Joy Radio, we're so glad you joined us for Getting Back to Business, A Lesson in Second Chances, Episode 157, Part 4 of 4 in our Rebuilding Series. Make sure to check out the show notes for scripture graphics and links to anything mentioned on the show at soulh2o.com slash 157. Until next week, I'm praying you stay blessed and refreshed. We appreciate your support to help Soul H2O Ministries continue and want to thank all of you who partner with us in making this Joy Radio show a reality so people can come and get refreshed. Thanks for listening to the Soul H2O podcast from Joy Radio in Toronto. Be sure to subscribe, then rate and share so we can reach new listeners around the world.